welcome everyone and thank you for joining us on Colin for Unruly with Ryan and Rob. This is your co-host Ryan Knight and I am excited to be joined by our guest today, Will Lehman. Will is a Mack Trucks rank and file worker from Pennsylvania who is running to become the next president of the United Auto Workers Union. Will, welcome to Unruly. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I caught the end of, of the debate last night of the United uh, Auto Workers uh, Union presidential debate, and you absolutely nailed it. So congratulations on that. Uh, but why don't we back up a little bit? And for people who are not familiar with uh, your campaign and, and are not familiar with you, why don't you just take a moment to introduce yourself and, uh, and let us know why you're running to be the next president of the United Auto Workers Union and what would make you different uh, from past union presidents? Uh, so essentially, I'm a Mack Trucks worker, as Ryan said. Um, I've only been there five years, but I've seen a number of betrayals of the UAW, and not only the UAW, but other trade unions, uh, not only in this country, but in others internationally. And that's one thing I saw was uh, last year uh, when NRV uh, New River Valley Volvo Virginia workers were striking. Uh, they basically paint the cabs that uh, we use. Uh, Mac is a subsidiary of Volvo, and uh, we were handling scab cabs essentially. And uh, I came across a article uh, from the World Socialist website uh, that Volvo workers down there formed a rank and file committee and basically were uh, bucking what the uh, UAW had to say. And uh, they were telling the truth of the situation down there. So I emailed them and uh, I was interested in what was going on. And, you know, they called for, you know, solidarity with them. Uh, so we formed a rank and file committee of Mack Trucks. And we were trying to, there are multiple workers at Mack formed this committee. But anyway, uh, we were trying to build uh, for solidarity with those workers and, uh, you know, put the message out not to scab on them. Um, you know, we, we should have been going on strike as well to support them. Uh, but naturally, the UAW is not really, for those who don't know, the UAW tends to sell out strikes just like every other trade union does. Uh, they string you out on $275 of strike pay uh, when the reality is they don't take anything less when you're out on strike. And they make over uh, 450 people in the international that uh, totally... Uh, takes up $75 million worth of our dues money a year. And uh, basically, I'm running on the campaign to build rank and file committees on every shop floor, not only in the U.S., but internationally. Uh, all these corporations are multinational corporations, so we should have a global strategy uh, to combat them. And the only real way forward for that is a, uh, advancing a socialist perspective internationally. Um, you know, and and the power is in the uh, the power is in the hands of the workers. We're the ones that keep society moving. Um, we need to be the ones to uh, uh, bring socialism about if it's going to be brought about. You know, so that's that's who my appeal is to all the workers, and that's uh, the reason I'm running for this uh, position of uh, international president of the UAW is to bring that message to workers uh, that we are being sold out. And we need to do something about it. It's not just about waiting on a on a next leader. It's building from the floor, uh, grouping up on the floor and having the capacity to communicate with each other and bring strength to strikes. Uh, and also dictating what we should do with all our assets. The UAW has 1.16 billion in assets and we should be, that's built up with our dues money. We should be the ones that directly control that democratically. Uh, the UAW just got over a corruption scandal that saw the last two out of the four presidents go to prison for embezzling dues. And there's many more bureaucrats that were caught up in that that also went to prison. Uh, but the reality is that corruption is all on the bureaucratic layer of the UAW. It's not the workers on the floor. So I'm running to abolish the bureaucracy of the UAW and give power directly to the workers on the floor. And since you are a rank and file worker, what would you say are the biggest issues uh, that you are hearing about from your fellow workers? Uh, and what would be your top priority should you win and become the next uh, president of the UAW? 
Well, my top priority, I would say, is uh, building that uh, working class mentality uh, to get every worker to see issues as class issues. Uh, so, for example, and every one of those issues is a top issue. I mean, there's things raising, uh, ranging from uh, what we're getting paid. You know, there's been decades of uh, pay stagnation. Uh, we don't have cost of living adjustments. Uh, pensions were sold out long ago. We used to have a beautiful retirement system, uh, the 85-point system, where essentially it was your age plus your years of service. When that equaled 85, you could retire. So for someone that's hired when they're 22, uh, if they work till they're 54, they can re that's 86 points. But my point is you could retire at 54. Um, so that they sold all that away. And a lot of young workers don't even know about that. There are young workers that are temporary part-time or uh, billed as SE employees. They pay dues and aren't even allowed to run for this position. And, uh, you know, they're facing like $19 an hour, in some places $14 an hour. Uh, in the UAW, as a starting wage, well, the one worker's at, uh, topped out at 19 and Ventra workers in Evarn, Michigan start at 14. Uh, you know, and these are UAW represented places, and it's absolutely not what uh, people think of when they're promoting the idea of unions, that this is the nature of it. And, uh, you know, even issues like uh, there was a worker I spoke to that uh, had a miscarriage because she was forced to do work on an assembly line and uh, that she wasn't supposed to do it. It was and she told them she she can't do it. She's pregnant. and. She ended up having a miscarriage. And that those are the kind of things that the UAW just overlooks. Uh, there have been worker deaths. Uh, people like uh, William Dimitrovich was a worker that I worked with, uh, died from COVID. You know, the whole uh, Catherine Pace died from COVID, a worker in Michigan. And these all these COVID deaths just go unanswered. Nothing gets done by the UAW. Uh, so workers... If workers are going to face these dangerous conditions and face this uh, lack of pay and benefits, then we should be the ones that directly call the shots because we can do better than uh, what these bureaucrats are doing for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touched on it a little bit, but I want to expand on it that there has been a lot of corruption in your union uh, with UAW leadership being convicted of robbing workers of their dues money and selling out workers to corporations. And this isn't just a problem in your union. This has been a systemic issue with unions all throughout the country uh, where uh, the, the big labor union leadership uh, has been corrupted and they sell out rank and file workers. So my question for you, Will, is how do rank and file workers take control of their unions again uh, from the corrupt bureaucrats who've sold them out? Well, they need to form rank and file committees. They need to recognize that uh, we're tied together by class, um, and we need to work with each other based on that class. Um, one, one thing you mentioned about other trade unions being corrupt, uh, that's absolutely correct. If, you, if we look at uh, the teachers union, the AFT, now this isn't even from your typical uh, corruption standpoint. This is more of a social murder thing I'm speaking on. But Randy Weingarten, the president of the AFT, makes over $400,000 a year worked tirelessly, and she boasted about this, uh, to open up schools again uh, and basically herd children back into schools and uh, knowing full well there, there would be spread of COVID and the Democratic Party pushed this narrative of uh, don't that children won't get sick um, or won't get as sick. Well, 1,750 children have died as of April late April, and 2,500 teachers have died. And now we look back in history at, you know, things that we're supposed to never forget, like the Alamo. 200-some Americans died in the Alamo. And that was naturally a segue to war, uh, you know, is, is over interests that are uh, the American government was advancing. And same thing with, uh, if you look at Pearl Harbor or 9-11, you know, they, they hold these things up that you should never forget. And yet 1,750 children are dead from COVID and 2,500 teachers are dead. A million Americans, over a million Americans are dead from COVID. And they want you to just forget that. 
So the corruption is uh, very deep, you know, allowing social murder to take place. But as I said, uh, the way that workers can stop that is to recognize uh, their strength, build rank and file committees in every, not only every factory, but hospitals, um, you know, schools. There exist already uh, ones for rank and file committees for nurses and uh, educators, but they need to be grown. And workers need to see that they have the power to grow it. And a lot of people think, well, I'm willing to fight, but it's no one else that is. Well, that's what basically everyone tells me. So the reality is all these workers are willing to fight. It's just they've been betrayed so many times that it's it's hard to trust a, another way forward. But it is growing. And, you know, I, that there is a lot of uh, sentimentality. Uh, for the things I'm saying, you know, when I when I do talk to workers, they see these issues as international. And that's what one thing we have to really focus on as well. They're not just, you know, issues in this nation, but in every nation. And a little bit and drill down upon uh, this idea of of the working class uh, building uh, rank and file worker committees, uh, you know, just for people who maybe aren't familiar with the term. Uh, what is a, a, a rank and file uh, worker committee? How is it different than the big labor union? And, and what is its role in holding uh, both the, the corporation and these, these big labor union bureaucrats accountable? Well, a rank and file committee is, is only composed of and controlled by workers. Uh, no bureaucratic leaders are supposed to be involved. It's workers basically being deciding democratically how to carry out you know, some point of issue and then carry it out in unison. So like, for example, uh, if the rank and file committee at MAC were large enough in 2021 when NRV was on strike, we could have let a walkout. We could have struck in solidarity uh, with those workers down at NRV and absolutely been in the right to do so. Um, you know, but it needs to have the size to be effective. You know, it needs to grow uh, to have enough workers and also uh, to grow it. You know, you put out like we put out a statement, an accurate, truthful statement about what the situation really is in the plant. And everyone in every area of work can do the same thing. You know, you speak truthfully to the situation and add, give an honest assessment of what's going on and the failings of whatever leadership you currently have, or even if you don't have a union, you know, you can just point out accurately what the situation is on the floor and, you know, the sentiment to improve it. Um, so that's how you grow that organization is putting statements out to build it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's workers actually being united on these things. Uh, you know, like the UAW preaches solidarity, but that's not what they mean. They mean fealty to the bureaucratic apparatus of the UAW. They want workers to stay in line with what the leadership tells them. And I'm talking about just having uh, workers on the floors of all of these locations that are actually doing the job of democratically deciding the, all the decisions. Now, one thing that's, that's been very clear throughout history and, uh, and even to the present day is that when anyone uh, like yourself comes along who is shaking up the status quo and, and challenging the ruling class, uh, you're going to be met with a great deal of pushback. Uh, the owners aren't just going to hand over the keys to the factory without a fight. Uh, Will, how do you make sure that, that workers stay united in the fight for uh, the big unions to become what they were intended to be, which is to represent the rank-and-file worker and, and not to sell out uh, workers uh, to the corporations? Well, it's a matter of realizing how greatly we outnumber those uh, your, those owner, the owner class. You know, working class, one of our biggest weaknesses is we don't realize our strength, our strength in numbers, and the reality that we're the ones keeping society moving. And as I said, that's one of my biggest goals in doing this is to bring that class consciousness about and uh, raise that working class sentimentality. Um, you know, it's not only for a spot on uh, a position, but um, it's, it's to raise that, you know, it's not a turn to the bureaucracy. None of this is going to be solved by, uh, uh, the same way that UAW has been doing things, but it's the workers need to have 
the organization in mass and that's how you beat the owner class i didn't mean to rhyme that but anyway uh so you know the workers need to realize their strength yes i'm not saying it's going to be easy i'm not saying there won't be pushback you know but there's american working class has you know revolutionary history and you know we've had a revolution over much less in this country you know especially and i would say that there's been two revolutions progressive revolutions one to kick out the monarchy of england uh, and it disgusts me to see all these flags flying at half mass not that i want to see the flag at all but you know i don't understand what the mentality is there with the Uh, Will, I think we lost you. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you now. Uh, we, we lost you when you started talking uh, very poignantly about uh, the American flag being flown at half-mast to celebrate a monarchy that we, that we uh, uh, rebelled from. Right. And, uh, you know, lo looking around on the shop floor, nobody cares. They don't care about any queen. Um, yeah. Also... Uh, the second revolution, I don't know if I mentioned any of this, um, the Civil War, abolishing slavery. So there are two momentous. Now, there, those events are, uh, you know, prisoners of their time period, you know, that not everything was perfect, but it was a step in a progressive direction. And, you know, we got to remember that history as well. And and I think that the working class is reaching a point where it's being exploited to such a level that it won't have uh, any choice but socialism or barbarism. And I'm out here promoting socialism, naturally. Uh, well, I, I mean, think. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it's kind of interesting when you talk about, uh, you know, the, our initial revolution to break free from the monarchy, because in many ways, uh, we're right back. Uh, we're right back at where we started, uh, because. You know, the United States is definitely not a democracy. It definitely is not a, a country that is run by and for the working class. Uh, we are a full-fledged oligarchy where we have uh, three billionaires who hoard more wealth than half of our entire nation. And you can quite compellingly make the case that, you know, we are, we are essentially a monarchy and that the new, the new kings and queens are people like, you know, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk who are hold, hoarding so much wealth and in many ways have more power uh, than the original monarchs did and ha certainly have more wealth and control over, over the population. Uh, and yet in our society today, uh, much like the, the, the British people worship uh, their monarchs, you have many Americans actually worshiping the very oligarchs like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk who are rigging the system against us. Uh, and it's just, it's like this weird relationship where we're indoctrinated into this system to, to put these people on a pedestal, the very ones who are screwing us all over. Um, and, and, and for me, what, what you're doing is so important. What, what, what any uh, true labor movement and any true working class movement is doing is trying to uh, raise awareness to the masses that says we don't have to live like this. We don't have to live with these oppressive oligarchs. Uh, pushing down upon us. We can be liberated. We can, we deserve to own the work that we do. We deserve, you know, we're the ones who build the roads and build the, and, and, and make the houses. And we built this nation. We deserve to own it as well. We don't deserve to be owned and controlled and manipulated and turned against one another. Um, do you want to speak a little bit to that? Because I think you're absolutely right on point. We're, we're definitely due for another type of revolution, one that liberates the working class uh, from, from the ruling class. No, I totally agree. And uh, it's not only us that uh, th that sentimental, th basically what you just said has a lot of traction in the working class. You know, people tend to paint workers as backwards or uh, I don't know, fascists. You know, even when uh, when I've talked to people that voted both for Obama, Trump, Biden, you know, uh, that just see like there's no way forward but they're just trying to get the opposite of what they just had you know when when the reality is uh those people are the representatives of the ruling class and and you know making that argument to these workers does have 
uh, a lot of traction. You know, I don't, it's not presented in any kind of mainstream media because they don't want, they don't want to talk about class. You know, they wouldn't even uh, quote me from the debate last night in the uh, free Detroit free press. You know, they don't want to talk about class. Uh, they want to talk about appeal to the same failing methods forever until you have nothing left to give and possibly die in a workplace accident. And workers recognize that that's what we're being sold. You know, it just needs to be put put out there. And that's the point of the campaign, you know, is to put it out there because no one that else that I was aware of is willing to do that. I mean, none of the people I'm running against are uh, socialists. You know, Sean Fain is backed by the DSA. And, you know, he's he's no socialist. So there they're, they are backing capitalists. Yeah. And when you talk about the the, the, the quote unquote free press uh, ignoring uh, the issues that affect the working class, I mean, it goes hand in hand with the fact that we have six corporations who control 90 percent of the media that the American people consume. So we essentially, uh, although people claim we have a free press, we essentially don't even have a free press in the United States. We have a corporately owned and controlled press uh, that propagandize, that propagandizes the masses to accept uh, this decrepit capitalist and imperialist system that we live under. And so we, what we see here is just like many of, of the, uh, well, like the CEOs are selling out workers, we also see that the, the journalists are also selling out the working class and, and these media companies are selling out the working class because they represent the interests of the, own, of the, of the ownership class, which is why we need independent media, which is why we need uh, workers and just everyday people uh, who have media platforms who want to talk about issues uh, like that, that affect the working class and, and, and discuss uh, campaigns like, like yours. Um, I want to segue and talk about, uh, because we are seeing a resurgence in the labor movement, which I think is a beautiful thing. Uh, we are seeing a rising number of workers going on strike from nurses to teachers to railroad workers, uh, which is a beautiful thing. But, Will, how can we make sure this resurgence in the labor movement is productive for the workers and doesn't get co-opted by the corrupt bureaucratic union heads and both corporate parties in Washington who have historically sold out labor to the ruling class and the big businesses who fund their campaigns? Well, by raising real socialism, the working class, you know, not by there's this constant idea of just unionize or unionize harder or you should have voted for someone different in your current union you know it's raising real socialism in the working class it's raising real internationalism in the working class because that's what we need to turn towards are the working class that is the most important thing to turn to and you know bringing socialism into it having workers recognize what class they're a part of what they're uh, labor is being used for, who they're being exploited by. You know, that's the way forward is for workers to uh, have that understanding. And again, that's, you know, what I'm trying to do. It's not, you know, there are all these unions, there are all these uh, pseudo left types out there that are pitching this different kind of, uh, you know, all the basically routes that are going to end in failure and lining up behind, you know, the DSA line essentially help Biden win. Um, you know, so, and now Biden is blocking railroad workers from striking. So workers need to recognize who their enemies are and who their allies are. And also the idea of that needs to be taken internationally, not, not some kind of socialism in one country thing that was a failure. And when workers and that's too. I'm trying to do this as because I want workers internationally to see that there is support uh, for socialism in America. And the reality is, I mean, I, there there were workers on our rank and file committee that voted for Trump, and you know I was talking to them for a little while, and not. I mean, they're now on message boards saying, uh, uh, "Workers of the world, unite!" So you know, it's <laughs> not to awesome. say that. Not to say that it's uh, an appeal towards uh, Trump only people. Um, again, you know, it's the the only reason that they voted for Trump really is because Hillary Clinton was, uh, you know, who she was. I don't think I have to explain it to the people on here, but um, you know, it's 
and it's not like a rightward thing either. It's hearing genuine socialism from the left, genuine internationalism from the left, you know, not some kind of only in America thing. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's interesting to me is, well, we know this strategy that, that both parties use. You know, both uh, capitalist political parties that, that control us, uh, the main way they stay in power and the main way they keep selling us out is, is divide and conquer, you know, is by getting the workers to, to fight each other. Uh, because, you know, while, while we're so busy fighting each other, we're not noticing that it's, that it's the two parties that are rigging the system against us uh, as well as the ruling class. And so for me, it's, it's a no-brainer, like... The workers need to unite, period. We, what we don't need to do is unite behind either of the parties that represent big business because they don't represent our interests. What we need to do is, is, is unite with workers who in the past have voted for Trump or Obama or Biden. It doesn't matter what you, use, what you voted for in the past. What matters is what you stand for right now you know, in today, in the present moment. And if you stand for uh, the workers of the world having power and, and owning the means of production and, and controlling their own destinies and not being owned and controlled by, uh, uh, you know, the 1% and, and a tiny slice of bureaucrats who, who continue to, to hoard the majority of the wealth, not in, just in this country, but in the world, then you're on our team, you know? And so I just, the, you know, but we're seeing, what we're seeing right now is like, it was funny. The other day, mega communism was trending. And it just made me funny because the people who are trying to, you know, bring socialists together or build a movement, you know, and funnel them into, into the Republican Party or in, into Trump's movement are no different than the people like DSA who are trying to build a socialist movement inside of the Democratic Party. Like, you cannot build a working class movement inside of either party that exists to sell out the working class and represent big business. Like, this is basic 101 here. This is not some radical thought. So there are no shortcuts to, to these movements. We can't just, oh, wish that the Democratic Party was something it's not or that the Republican Party is something is, that it's not. We have two parties that represent Wall Street, big business, and the billionaire class. And what we need are, is a real uh, movement that is independent from both parties and that wants to represent the working class. Period. End of story. Well, right. And I mean, that is that that is the idea behind building, uh, you know, the rank and file committees. But, you know, the rank and file committees aren't a substitute for the party. Uh, naturally, you know, the World Socialist website uh, has the party of the Socialist Equality Party that runs it. You know, so there is there is a cause to, you know, build that party. Um, but naturally, you know, it needs to be people that realize that the turn is to the working class, not through you know, build a party to vote and change a bureaucracy. You know, it, that's that's what every, you know, capitalist supporting person has done. You know, like even Bernie or the squad, you know, they're not genuine socialists. They're, they're not making reforms. You know, they're, they're voting. They're, you know, signing off on the war with Ukraine. You know, the U.S. NATO uh, sending armaments to Ukraine while, you know, people in this country are still getting COVID and we're right before fall again and winter. And I'm sure there will be plenty more deaths. And their priority is the arming Ukrainian fascists, you know, so not, not to say that the Russians are uh, the Russian military while Putin is correct in what he's doing. He's absolutely not. They're all war criminals. You know, I, I don't support any nationalist war and I don't follow, you know, like, any national war struggle or support any wars that America has been a part of, you know, so I don't support the armament of Ukraine. Um, we shouldn't be involved in that. And Russia shouldn't be involved in Ukraine and Ukraine shouldn't have a bunch of fascists in the military. But again, it's not the working class doing any of that. You know, it's the working class that is being uh, subjugated to that. And, you know, we're not authorizing this. The the leadership is doing it. So we need to struggle against that. And that's what I'm, you know, part, part of doing that as well. And I do want everyone on here to understand too, I'm just a worker on the floor, uh, you know, and this, that these are my views and, you know, there are other workers on the floor like me. I've found some in other areas of the country, uh, even in my own plant, you know, people that saw the rank and file committees the way forward. So there is definitely a strong case for building socialism in the working class. I, I want to touch on uh, 
the Democratic Party a little bit. You, you, you did, all, you did a, a little bit, but I want to kind of expand on it. You know, we've seen a lot of labor unions in the past half century really become co-opted by the Democratic Party, who use lots of lip service during election season to appeal to the working class, but then sell out the workers when they have power. Is it important for uh, labor unions to be independent and hold both uh, corporate parties in Washington accountable? Well, I would say independent of those parties, yes. Um, you know, naturally, like I said, with the Socialist Equality Party, I would say that there needs to, you know, be an understanding that that party does need to be built. You know, it's not only the idea of having rank and file committees, it's not a substitute for a party. But yes, definitely independent of, uh, you know, the Democrats, the Republicans, the Green Party, the Libertarians, uh, you know, people. Anyway, yes, definitely needs to be independent. And what you, you've mentioned it a few times. I, I've actually had uh, representatives from the Socialist Equality Party on my show, and uh, I, I read the World Socialist Web. I, I think that they put out uh, great stuff, and they are trying to build uh, the kind of solidarity that's needed to have a, a revolutionary working-class party. But for those who, don't, who aren't aware, what is the Socialist Equality Party? What makes it different uh, from you know, the DSA or the Green Party? Uh, you know, what, what is the Socialist Equality Party doing that, that can lead to a, a, a working class revolution that the other parties aren't doing? Advancing an internationalist perspective, advancing real socialism. Uh, you know, it's not, it's part of the International Committee of the Fourth International. Uh, essentially, the, essentially, the people that recognize that uh, Trotsky's uh, role in Soviet Union was, well, his take on Stalinism was correct. You know, Stalin pivoted to that socialism in one country kind of deal and uh, basically capitulated to the capitalism worldwide in doing so. Um, but it's it's a party that's advancing, you know, revolutionary socialism, not this idea that you can make reforms and reforms will bring things about, will bring socialism about. It It has not. And it's not going to, you know, working conditions and people confused, I would say, you know, like in the mid century, uh, you know, where it appeared that capitalism um, was benefiting the working class in America. But it ignores a whole host of, you know, the reality of the world, you know, what the world situation was, even auto workers, you know, like auto workers were able to secure these uh, things through back in the day uh, through struggle. And, you know, when the UAW was fresh, it was much more of a dynamic uh, institution. It naturally was not a substitute for any kind of real socialism, but, uh, you know, socialists led the UAW in all the great fights of the UAW's history. And now the UAW seeks to shy away from every single fight. And that's because Ruther helped get every socialist out of it, even though he was a socialist at one point in time. But uh, I mean, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but uh, it's it's a party that uh, is advanced, advancing real genuine socialism and internationalism. No, I mean, I think you were right on track. I mean, any reform that we have had in this country uh, it was not a result of of either capitalist party being like, oh, let's go to work today and write laws that benefit the working class. I mean. That's what I think is so wild that people don't understand is both of these parties don't listen to their rhetoric. Don't listen to the speeches they give while they're pandering to their bases on CNN and Fox News. What you have to understand is behind closed doors, when every piece of legislation and every law is written in this country, both capitalist parties write laws that favor uh, the, the capitalist class. They write laws that, that are rigged against the working class and that are for big businesses, that are for the military industrial complex, and that are, and that are for a, a system that continues to siphon as much wealth as possible from the working class and hand it right over to the ruling class. Uh, so this idea that either one wants to pass reforms is ludicrous. The only time we've ever had reform in this country, even mild ones, where when socialists and communists and the labor movement rose up and demanded uh, that, that justice and dignity for, for the working class. And what we've really seen in the, in the last half century is an erosion of any reform that was ever passed. And also, I think it's important to note that even the reforms that have passed were never good enough. 
You know, it's, it's always like little bits here, little bits there. It's breadcrumbs. They, they, they try to get the workers to calm down, like, okay, you know, and, and give them a little bit. But I think what's really important is that the workers continue to understand that their power, like you said, is in the solidarity, is understanding don't let these two parties divide us. Stop allowing people who make six figures and have free health care you know, stop allowing these politicians who are literally millionaires. Most of Congress are millionaires. Stop allowing them to go on TV and blame your neighbor for, the, for, for being the problem in this country. Like, our neighbors are not the problem. Fellow workers are not the problem. The problem is these two corrupt parties who rig the system against us and uh, the CEO class uh, and Wall Street who continues to rig the system against the workers. And so, you know, it's like we've been... We're, we're, we're pitted against each other all the time. And so that's why I think it's so important uh, that we have people like yourself who are trying to raise working class consciousness and solidarity amongst all the workers. Forget this red-blue thing. You know, this divide and conquer just helps the, the ruling class. We need real solidarity to build power for the worse. Well, I agree. And also, I mean, with, with the red-blue thing, you know, it's a matter of pointing out what those flaws are and uh, identifying them, you know, like if you did support Trump, uh, you know, to to learn what what the flaws were in doing that were. Same thing with uh, Biden, you know, like he just sells the same kind of ruling class narrative, but with a different spin. And, you know, and it's also I want to stress, too, that it's not I don't personally have anything against anyone, you know, in the middle class that that recognizes that, uh, you know, the working class is is the class that's going to bring about you know socialism um you know and it's it's a matter of uh you know anyone recognizing that the the appeal does need to be made though to the working class to bring it about you know so i just wanted to point that out yep and why don't we does it do we have any questions from uh, anyone who's listening in live please join the queue and ask uh, will a question Come on now, don't be shy. This is your opportunity. Oh, here we go. Uh, let's take the next caller. Let's see if I can do this right. Yep, uh, Mark, you are live. Go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, ask Will a question, please. Great, uh, thanks, Ryan. Hi, Will. Um, yeah, I've been really fascinated by this discussion and you know, I had been uh, engaged in some third-party building myself over the last couple of years. Um, and yeah, I feel like in the U.S., people are confused about what parties actually are. And so I really am interested in a discussion about what does, one, what does working class solidarity actually look like? Because I pe feel like people misuse the word solidarity and don't understand it's about standing together for our shared interests. Um, and what does a real working class party look like? Understanding the parties are legitimately just nonprofit vehicles that successfully get candidates on ballots and that party platforms are really just tools at this point, holdovers from how parties used to form before the FEC, and they are just tools to get voters to self-select out, right? Like the major parties, they're just tools to get people to self-select out. Minor parties, they're only aspirational. So I know that's a long uh, uh, sort of setup, but the question really is like, what does working class solidarity look like? How do we make it broad enough to actually fit into that? And well, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I think you cut out a little. How do we make it broad enough? I missed the end of that. Just, uh, yeah, how do, how do we make it broad enough to actually take power and, and what does a real working class party look like? And I'll uh, go ahead and mute myself to, to listen to your response. Well, I mean, building how to build it broadly is, you know, workers need to engage in discussion with other workers. Workers need to, you know, be politically following things. You know, you can't, uh, and, and realize that that is the way forward and, and actively participate in that, you know, party building is something that, uh, you know, hasn't really been done, you know, anywhere, any, like really in any kind of, recent period of history i mean especially on like uh you know for socialism um you know genuine socialism uh it hasn't work workers need to you know be following things politically uh building broad 
building broadly means like following the uh, struggles of other workers. You know, I followed a, a teacher strike last year in Scranton, you know, learning about things, writing on things, uh, you know, and, and encouraging other workers to get engaged with that as well. Um, so it's up it's up to the working class to build it, you know, just like I, I talk about making rank and file committees. It's up to the working class uh, to do it, to take action. Uh, it's not it's not just like. Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty much bluntly that, you know, it needs to be the working class that builds that organization. And as far as the party goes, it's, you know, reading on. Educating historically, uh, you know, on thing, everything from, you know, our revolution, the American revolutions, uh, Russian revolution, you know, that, and and looking at just things, educating with a historical perspective, uh, and you know, realizing there is already a party, um, you know, that that I was referring to, the Socialist Equality Party. Uh, so building it is is just about like developing that uh, education level, and I mean encouraging anyone interested in you know appealing to that working class and with the education of it uh, join the the party. Now that's specifically the party I'm talking about that already exists, you know. So that's why I would say, um, you know, if you are interested in advancing socialism and and working to build you know a workers' movement, I would say. Uh, to join the Socialist Equality Party, you know, but uh, so that's why I would say, you know, that party already exists. It needs well, to be grown. Go ahead. I mean, I would love more information about the uh, Socialist Equality Party specifically because I am really interested in in party building and party dynamics. Is it recognized on the ballot in any states as of yet? Well, I don't. Uh, they've run they've run in elections, but only two. Well, not I say only two, but they have run in elections. They have run presidents. Um, there's well, there's more in, information on their website. Um, basically, uh, if you visit uh, wsws.org, uh, there's a link on there to learn about the Socialist Equality Party, to learn about the Statement of Principles. But you can read that. That's what the party stands for. Uh, that's something that you would need to be in agreement with um, fundamentally uh, the constitution of it. Um, but I could, if you, uh, well, I could give you my number if you want. You could text me and I could message you specific links um, for anyone. On, it's public anyway. Uh, if anyone goes on will for uaw org, my number uh, 267-225-6633. And I could send you any link that you would need, uh, you know, anything you have any questions on, I, I'd gladly send you. That's, and that's just to great. add into the conversation really quickly, and Will, you're a brave man for giving your phone number out, that you are committed to the movement. Um, I think for me, you know, I left the Democratic Party after 18 years of, of really feeling deceived and manipulated because I was one of those. And look, I think the majority of people out there who who want to see real change in this country and who want to see change for the people, for the, the working class, for the 99%, not the 1%. They want a vehicle. Uh, they want a party that will represent their interests. And But a lot of people are still under the illusion as well that the Democratic Party does represent their interests. And when the wool was finally lifted over my eyes, you know, it – it was, and this was, I mean, this is, I'm recent. I mean, this was like 2019, early 2020, um, you know, during the 2020 primary and seeing what the, the, the DNC apparatus did again to Bernie and how, you know, a party that calls itself democratic won't even let mild social, uh, you know, mild social democracy to take root in its party. I mean, they, you know, for any DSA member who thinks that, oh, you know, AOC will be our candidate in 2024 or, or any left candidate who, who they think is left or, or you know, who, who they think is progressive. The DNC has shown us now in two past cycles that they will do everything in their power to rig the primary against 
uh, even a mild progressive candidate and for their, their corporate uh, candidate. In 2016, it was Hillary. In 2020, it's Biden. In 2024, they're going to rig it for you know, a Kamala Harris or a Pete Buttigieg. The Democratic Party will never allow a true progressive or a true socialist to, to win the party's nominee. Their goal is to stop working class movements. Their goal is to co-opt and destroy working class movements and to and to literally give the people the illusion that they have representation. And meanwhile, when they get power, they govern for Wall Street, big business, and the ruling class, just like the Republicans. So when you have this um, revelation, it creates this like yearning in you for like, okay, so what's the party? What's the thing? And I will just be honest. From my experience, I think what Will said is very smart. The, the point uh, if we're ever going to have a democracy or a government that's by and for the people, if we're ever going to have true socialism in this country, it has to come from the people. It can't just be, oh, we need a party and this party is already here, so let's reform it. Or, oh, you know, we need, we need a party that's already on the ballot because it's so hard to get on the ballot. But, you know, that party may be not the right fit. No, like the workers need to decide, first of all. No one in, in independent media, no one person should be dictating, oh, everyone should do this. It, it's, if you really want the workers to control their own destiny, then the workers have to make these decisions, uh, which I think is so important that these worker, uh, these rank and file worker committees start getting built uh, in every uh, company and, and in every state throughout the, the country because that's the beginning of the workers seeing what power they really have that they can actually hold uh, the CEO of their company accountable, that they can hold any bureaucrats at their union accountable who are selling them out, that they do have power together. And then from there, we can build more power. But the, the frustrating part is that we want it to happen right now, and that's ne not necessarily how these things take shape. Now, things, you know, revolutionary moments, things happen very quickly as well. So I do think we're on the cusp of, of big things happening, but again, I think it's not up for any one person to dictate. I think we need to let the workers decide. And, and you know, I'm really passionate about a party when I initially left the Democratic Party. Turns out that party had some, some big wrinkles and, and wasn't, you know, really prepared uh, to do this. And so for me, my role as an independent media host is to uh, have conversations with the Socialist Equality Party, with the Green Party, with anyone who wants to, to represent the working class, and then let the people decide. I, I don't think that my role is to dictate. And, and, and because, and the other part is, I don't want to lead people astray. Because, and this, this is, might throw some people off, but like the truth is, I don't really know what the answer is. I, I, what I do know is that the answer is not the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, and I know that we need a genuine socialist movement in this country. But, but, the, but where it's coming from, what party is going to do it, what, you know, which workers are going to lead us out of, of this period of inequality and injustice, you know, that's still taking shape. So I think, you know, let's let it take shape. Let's support workers. Let's build solidarity, but also not be so arrogant to think we know the answer, you know, and because I don't know if we do. And I certainly don't know what the exact answer is, uh, although I know that we need to keep fighting and keep uh, and keep trying to get there. If that makes any sense, I don't know. But. Well, no, I got you. I mean, I I'm advancing. I mean, this is me personally, too, but I'm advancing what I think is is the correct point of view. You know, the first time I ever read uh, the World Socialist website, I was like, that's it right there. And, you know, I had never heard anyone, you know, I considered socialist before I found the World Socialist website, but, uh, you know, I never heard uh, things written the way they wrote them. You know, like even the DSA, uh, it just didn't, Nothing I've ever read from like Jacobin ever, uh, you know, kind of hit things quite as squarely as uh, what I was what I was thinking, you know, so that I'm not trying to, you know, like put anyone down for anything or anything like that. But I'm just saying, you know, the reality to me was when I read that, uh, that that was what I was going to try to advance, you know, so. I know. And I uh, think that's great. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think we need 
everyone to do that. I think that's the point I was trying to make is if it's the social, socialist equality party that is going to lead uh, this, this working class revolution and is going to build uh, socialism and transform our society for the better, then, then the workers, you know, let, let's let the workers get there. And, 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 you know, that's kind of, I think that's really the idea, right? I mean, that's, that's what our, if we did have democracy in this country, we would have elections where the socialist equality party was on the ballot and, you know, Dems and Republicans and the Libertarian Party and the Green Party and, and all the parties were on the ballot and then the people could pick which one was best for them. And all the candidates were also at the debate. But we don't have that. What we have is an oligarchy where the two ruling parties get to decide who's on the ballot. They get to decide who comes to the presidential debate. Um, you know, I think, I think Joseph Kishore was was the VP who ran for the Socialist Equality Party, and he came on my podcast a year or two ago, and he was fantastic. I really enjoyed speaking with him, but you know, one of the things that was off-putting was that his party, he wasn't allowed on the presidential debate in 2020. You know? and, and that's part of uh, what these two ruling parties do. They exclude any true socialist party from the ballot, from the debates, uh, because they know that it's a threat to their power. So that means we have to get louder, we have to keep uh, raising these issues amongst the working class. And I think, look, when workers have been sold down the river time and time again over the last 50 to 100 years, they get it. You know, like, they get it. They get that, like, it doesn't matter who's president, whether it's the, the, the red oligarch or the blue oligarch, my pocketbook is still... You know, I'm still poor, no matter who's president. I'm still uh, barely keeping my head above water. I'm still struggling to put food on the table for my kids. I'm still struggling to, you know, under, uh, to pay my uh, ridiculous private health care premiums. So, you know, the people get it. The people understand they're being sold out. And, and so I think it's about giving the people the tools and, and, and um, the weapons, really, that they need to fight back. And I think one of the weapons is building that working-class solidarity, introducing them to more parties like the Socialist Equality Party, and so they can have the tools they need to build these rank-and-file committees and to build a genuine socialist movement that is not representing the owner class but will represent and stand and fight with the working class unapologetically. No, I absolutely agree. One... Sorry, I, I have one more, more comment and then I'll... Then I'll jump. Uh, and let Please, you and then we'll get to Iggy. I see we have another uh, call, uh, another another caller in, in the queue. Yeah, I, I you know I appreciate that so much. I was a green voter for 20 years before I decided to engage in, in independent sort of party building because I felt the Greens had uh, uh, branded themselves as a niche party. I'm so interested in the Socialist Equality Party because I like that it has a statement of principles as opposed to an actual platform. I deeply believe that platforms ought to be actionable policies at the level a candidate is running and that if we're going to have a successful movement to build a working class party, it has to be grassroots and bottom up, not top down from a national level spreading out. Uh, but I think the more important thing was something that you touched on, Will, and Ryan, you've also mentioned, it's that solidarity. I, I'm a union member. I'm a longtime member of IATSE, IATSE Local 15 here in Seattle. We recently had a teacher strike. And when I'm driving to work and I see striking teachers, I park my car and write a sign and put on my hard hat and get out and march with them because it's way more powerful than honking. Like every worker, I would encourage everyone, if you see any labor action, stop, join them, stand with people who are saying, hey, we deserve fair pay and conditions. If you personally believe you deserve fair pay and conditions, that is the definition of solidarity. Stand with those who are also seeking that, and I mean it literally. Get out of your car. If you've got 10 minutes, get out of your car. Write a cardboard sign. Walk the line. Raise the fist. Chant the chants. We need to stand together because without us, we're lost. All right. Thank you. I appreciate everyone. Thank you, Mark. Very well said. Iggy, go ahead. You, uh, you should be live. Just please unmute yourself and ask Will a question. Hey, guys. Um, I'm sorry I've missed most of this conversation, but I saw that the, um, the topic was interesting, so I thought I'd um, pop in. I, I, I know that this question is going to sound odd, right? But just bear with me a second. There's no odd questions. There's no dumb questions. We're happy to have you ask away. Okay, if a citizen wants to effectively affect 
its his or her political environment in the way that would affect a labor movement, a socialist movement, or any kind of political um, grassroots movement. I would argue that it's incumbent on the citizen to really try try to truly understand how power and money works. And if they don't do that, then they will always be destined to fail because the paradigm that they will seek to set up will not match the reality of how power works. Now, this is where it gets weird. The reference for uh, the reference for this would include Whitney Webb's latest two double double volume books that are coming out um, about the Epstein issues. Right now, the reason why I raise this is because if you read any of her work, she charts amongst other writers very um, interesting uh, relationships between the layers of power structure at deep levels of political corruption which when you start to look at those you understand i mean amongst other sources that power does not manifest in the standard model that most citizens subscribe to the vote political movements and so on and so forth don't really work in the way that the average joe wants them to work and if you don't understand that how can you really build effective movements that become resilient and don't get taken down by the entire constructs of the political um, diaspora, if you like. Yeah, so well, it, I'll just respond real quick, and then I'll let Will, Will take this. But uh, you, you bring up a, a very interesting point, Iggy. And the only thing I would just start off with saying is, is bringing in a little, little perspective to it. Look, the only world that we have known, especially Westerners, the only world we have known in our lifetime is a world where power is controlled and concentrated uh, into the hands of the ruling class and into the hands of you know the big billionaire the bi the billionaire class you know into the hands of of a, a small number of political parties in the United States it's the Democrat and Republican parties. So what I'm getting at is here we don't even know what a world looks like that where power is concentrated in the hands of the workers, in the hands of everyday people. We don't even know what that world looks like because that world doesn't exist and it hasn't existed. And that is, so some people hear that and they say, well, it, it doesn't exist because it cannot exist. And, and what I would say, and I think what any genuine socialist would say is, no, it can exist. And the reason that it doesn't exist, the reason that we don't have a world that, is, that has liberty and justice for all is because we have a world that is controlled by the, the, the ruling class and by the billionaire class. And if we ever want a world where, where it is controlled by the workers, then we have to fight for it and build it. And we have to tear down these old institutions that, are, that were set up to funnel money to a, a select minority of people and funnel money to the ruling class. And we have to build brand new, a brand new world and brand new systems where money is funneled to the workers who create the wealth in the first place. And I think that is the key point here is that capitalism does not build wealth. Workers are the ones who build the wealth, and so workers are the ones who should own the wealth. The workers are the ones who build the bridges, they build the roads, they build the factories. Shoot, they built the White House. You know, they, they build all of the infrastructure in our society. They build everything. Without workers, Jeff Bezos could not get his goods to market. Jeff Bezos would not have any money if he was not exploiting all of his workers. And so that for me is what it's about. It's about shifting the world. It's about turning the world upside down and building a world that has never existed. A world where we are not owned and controlled by the 1%, but a world where the workers make the decisions. Whether that's a, uh, a, a select committee of workers who are everyday people. Look, I trust, if, if you got rid of shareholders and all the, all, all the executive boards in our country on every business, and instead you replace them with uh, worker committees, I trust workers and everyday people to make better decisions for their communities than I trust a billionaire, and than I trust someone who built their wealth by exploiting workers. And so that's what this is all about. It's about putting everyday people in power and making decisions because those people will make better decisions for our environment, for our planet, and for the working class than the people who uh, build their wealth by exploiting the working class, not just here in America, but abroad as well. Uh, because you have to remember, 
The reason all the manufacturing plants, the reason the Midwest lost their jobs is because CEOs, along with the Clinton administration and NAFTA, decided to sell those jobs to China, to Mexico, for cheaper labor. So it's about understanding that the CEOs, that these political parties, these so-called leaders have never had our best interests at heart. They are looking to build, they are looking to exploit workers for whatever they can to maximize their profits. And now it's about maximizing the, pro the, the profits and the dignity of the workers, not of the billionaire class. And it, it, that's going to be a big shift for a lot of people, but I think it's a shift that will build a much better, safer, uh, and more prosperous world for everyone. Uh, will, go ahead. Sorry I went off on a tangent. Uh, no, it's all right. Um, I actually have to get off and I have to get ready for work. I apologize. But uh, I appreciate, again, uh, being on. So thank you. Uh, yes, Will, and uh, just real quick, uh, before you go, I, I appreciate your time. How can people get involved in your campaign? And uh, also, if you'd just like to give us a, a, a closing thought, just a sentence or two on really what your campaign is about and, and what you're fighting for. Well, again, my campaign is about uniting workers in rank and file committees, as uh, we spoke about earlier, internationally, uh, you know, to bring with a socialist mindset, to bring a, a, a system of based on human need and equality, not a system of exploitation by a tiny few. Um, if you would like to get involved in my campaign, WilfreyUAWPresident at uh, gmail.com. You can email me there or WilfreyUAWPresident.org. And I also left my number a little earlier, but uh, my number's on there too. Um, and also, if you can donate, I'd appreciate it. Um, it helps me get send letters out, do flyers, do uh, campaigning. So if you can, I'd appreciate it. Uh, but thank, thanks again, and I have to go. Oh, I think we're having to, a bad connection here. But again, Will, thank you so much for, for stepping up and for doing what you're doing. And again, I want to thank all our listeners today uh, for listening. And we will be back next week with an all-new episode of Unruly with Ryan and Rob. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.